1: Hello, this is Travis Smith, the author of Superhero Ethics, and you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson.
2: Welcome everyone to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode, we want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on them our social medias. And then you will decide, is it usual? Or not. Mm. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash... The Marvelists. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at... The Marvelists. You can find myself on social media at facebook.com slash Peter Malnick Podcaster. On Instagram and Twitter at Peter Malnick. But remember, there is only one place you... And find Eddie Wilson on the worldwide interwebs, and that is on Instagram at Eddie9193. Man, watching you get visibly annoyed with that was fun. <laughs> I tried not to look myself. <laughs> you can also find us on a wide variety of streaming platforms, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, you name it, get an RSS feed, wrangle it, lasso it on up, give it a you know a firm talking to. But Available for all iOS and Android devices. Where those RSS feeds are, I don't know where I'm going with that. Wrangleable, But you can find us there. You can also find us on iTunes where you can rate, review, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Five star if you're ever so inclined. Somewhere over the rainbow. Exactly. Like a rainbow sherbet. But She's remember, you can't, you can't find that rainbow sherbet when it's four stars or below. Out. On iTunes because it's much like the ice cream machine at McDonald's. It just don't. No. That's true. They, they're they also just really lazy, and they're working on it. They're
0: like, eh, he- I don't care.
2: <sighs> it's true. You go to a McDonald's now at 10 o'clock at night and try and get an ice cream or a McFlurry.
0: It's kind of late for that now, oh, don't you think? No, it's not. It's Maybe ne- on the weekend. Yes, that's what
2: I'm saying. Go okay. for it. Also, Eddie, we are also available on a new platform. We're on Patreon. Yes. We're finally there. And we want to take you on a fantastic voyage. What are we, some kind of fantastic voyage or something? What I'm getting at is, Eddie, Mm. every month on Patreon, we're going to be taking you on the Fantastic Voyage, where you listen to us break down all 120 issues of the Stan Lee and Jack Kirby Fantastic Four. How many? 102. Did I say 120? Yes, you did. Oh, my stars and garters. You're having a number flip. (laughs) Yeah. Dislikes you, but...
0: (laughs) Dislikes you, too. I
2: put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. But anyway... Patreon.com, look for The Marvelous. I think it's going to be patreon.com slash The
0: Marvelous, so pretend it's on there with that. Maybe. Yes, just listen but to it. The Fantastic it. Voyage, you heard it here first. Or second. Or fifth. Mm. Who knows? Or the fourth.
2: possibilities are en-
0: hmm. That's a good number. Okay, now. But now,
2: Eddie, we are joined with a special guest on this
0: episode because on the other end of the tin cannon string, we have the author of the book, Superhero Ethics, Ten Comic Book Heroes, Ten Ways to Save the World, which one do we need most now? That's the whole cover. Travis Smith is joining us. Thank you, Travis. Welcome. Thanks for having me on The Marvelous Day, guys. Appreciate you sitting through that long intro and staying awake. That's a good thing there. <laughs> Where shall we begin? It's a hardcover book. It's about 150 pages in length. I don't know how much we want to divulge to the listening audience, but I guess the first part is how it came about, and I'm assuming you have had, uh, growing up at some point, you know, got into comic books and let's maybe start with that
1: yeah when I was in grade school I had you know cousins and friends and neighbors that were uh written before I was and uh going to their hang out at their places or going to their cottages and get through a stack whether it was of Marvel's or DC's or Harvey's or Archie's or whatever they had uh I sort of just immediately took a liking to them and uh I finally started building my own collection when I was in eighth grade, but uh, uh, X-Men, shortly followed by Avengers, and Power Man, and Iron Fist, and uh, Alpha Flight, and those are the sort of books that I started my collection with in the mid-80s.
0: Now, you're not just naming Marvel titles because this is a marvelous podcast, right? You can name other ones, too.
1: I sure can, yeah. Okay. No, so I was very excited when the Justice League rebooted Following Legends, and Suicide Squad came out of that as well, uh, followed by the reboot of uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, there were a number of things uh, on the other side of the uh, comic book divide that equally had my attention, for sure.
0: Did a favorite come to the forefront at some point, or did you drift between uh, things, or if you remember what your first one was, perhaps? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the very first comic about my own allowance is X-Men 207. Uh, the first character that I fell in love with as a comic book reader who I did not know about as you know, a consumer of Saturday morning cartoons where I would have watched Super Friends and so on, Spider-Man and his amazing friends as a kid. The first sort of comic book character I uh, fell in love with was uh, Guy Gardner of the Green Lantern Corps. I, uh, I I like the combination of both his his brash arrogance and the fact that he always got his comeuppance.
0: Wow. Okay, that's that's the first I think in doing this podcast we've heard of that character come up in that context, and that's cool. That's very. Was there anything uh, maybe about that character that you said? Oh, I'd like to be like that, or if I could, I would want to be that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, well, Green, Lan- Green Lanterns were sort of my childhood favorite for many years. I, I think I've still read every comic book that has the two words on the cover, except mm-hmm. um, I'll be honest, a few of the uh, Golden Age ones that never got reprinted. I don't have the coin for those. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I think that uh, Green Lantern um, just appealed to me um, for reasons that, when I wrote my book, I actually realized were probably very adolescent uh but um i also enjoyed uh just the sort of imagination of the character's exercise and different ways of coming up with how to use their uh green glowing energy to create various objects and so forth and i think as a Guy specifically specifically um I, I liked seeing a, a character that was uh, uh, a bit of a schoolyard bully jerk kind of person that was humorous because uh, we might have all had a pal in high school who was one of those guys uh and it's good to have one that has your back as it were uh but it's also the case that you know other ones that that deserve to to uh you know get punched in the face by batman every now and then and and get knocked out as well so you get both the pleasure uh and the and the pain
2: as black canary just looks on in the background like i missed that (laughs) (laughs) exactly but with you know with uh characters like you know green lantern i have to ask are you currently reading the uh grant morrison stuff
1: I have been reading it.
2: Yes. How is that? Because I yeah. I've attempted, but I think I just couldn't get past the first issue. As much as as much as I hate to say it, sometimes I am more of a Geoff Johns or Jeff, as he's more you know well known. Uh, his run, I, I always go by Geoff, but okay. <laughs> I know what I'm stealing, <laughs> but oh man, there's just like there's something about that run, especially, you know, the, the, uh, Jeff Johns, I almost called him G off again. Jeez. Like unironically. Um, but the Jeff Johns run is just so solid, but like, I feel like I want to get into the Grant Morrison stuff, but it's just, it's, I feel like you have to be at, like, you, know, you have to be this tall to, uh, ride, uh, Grant Morrison's adventure.
1: Yeah. I'll admit I'm not the world's biggest Grant Morrison mark. And so I'm, as a sort of completist, I can't help but fork over the cash and pick it up on Wednesdays when it arrives. But um, it's not my favorite. The current story arc seems to be him wishing he were writing Miracle Man instead. Uh, He's got that sort of, you know... the need to create characters that are far out and make you go wow, and so there's a new Green Lantern that has a volcano for a head, which kind of just makes me cringe. Um, but um, I'm I'm I'm, on, I'm along for the ride and seeing where it goes.
2: I appreciate, by the way, the usage of the term "Mark." I definitely appreciated hearing that just now as a uh, a cartoonist, K Faber. That that was appreciated.
1: But yeah, we can we can <laughs> we can talk that later if you want. <laughs> I really enjoyed the episode of the hurricane, by the way, that was fantastic.
2: Thank you so much. As long as, as long as this episode is not going to be taking place in the Thunderdome, I think we're fine because oh, so much (laughs) unintentional comedy there, but I digress. Now in regards to a lot of what's going on with, you know, there, there's of course going to be similarities and, you know, differences with these characters and, you know, you document it in your book and, one of the biggest similarities in the realm of comics is how we have the Green Lantern Corps, but in another company we have a group called the Nova Corps. And I'm going to take a guess in your uh, in your stance, you're a Green Lantern guy, correct? One hundred percent. I'm a
1: Green. I am a Green Lantern guy, I'm not a Nova Corps guy. Um, I have the complete run of Nova Prime, ready to read on my Marvel Universe app, and I've not yet read it. But in fact. Uh, I am reading, as it were, the other sort of uh, Marvel Green Lantern-ish characters run right now. I've got my 90s Mark Grinwald Quasars Ooh. as my current go-to back issue run when I run out of new issues to read. So I'm working my way through the Quasars right now, which I did not read as a, as a high schooler, and I'm, I'm quite enjoying those.
2: It's always funny when um, people will talk about, you know, the comparisons between, like, a lot of uh, these. And somebody made the comment, what, like, it was... Them being deadly serious on Twitter by saying, ugh, why doesn't DC sue Marvel over Thanos? Because it's just a dark side ripoff. Well, we'll figure that lawsuit out when, you know, Marvel sues uh, DC over a certain fishy character. Sure, right. <laughs> um, and
1: right, when Fables was coming out and they were being asked, how come, you know, when... Uh... The, uh, once upon a time TV show came on. Why, why aren't they uh, suing for them? And it's kind of like, well, you know, these, these stories kind of go back in various ways to the ancient Greek world. Uh, you know, if we you know, started of suing each other, eventually the estate of Hesiod, Homer, and Ovid would be suing us. So maybe we just uh, better not get on down that road.
0: Can't we all just get along? Yeah. <laughs> why can't we be friends? Well, watch it. A little war going on there. <laughs> Oh, what is it good for? Seventy. Right.
2: One wonders if *War and Peace* would have been as highly acclaimed as it was had it been published under its original title *War*. What is it good for?
0: Okay, so at some point, Travis, you made the transition into the collector, the reader, and and I guess writing appealed to you maybe because of some influence of comics, and you and I'm not sure if this is your first published literary work kind of thing or.
1: Well, I'm, I'm uh, by day I'm a professor of political philosophy, and so um, I got in an argument in the magazine um, uh, about uh, which superhero is the is the one for our times. And uh, my opponent, as it were, in the in the versus confrontation, was insisting it was Batman, and I was insisting it was Spider Man. And I was able to uh, you know. Uh, find my way to working through an entire book worth of these kinds of matchups between superheroes and, uh, sort of mixing my, uh, my hobby, my love of, of, of superhero stories as part of sort of my general interest in, in the relationship between literature and education. And the other, the other part of my life, my professional job as somebody who studies uh, old books with big ideas and, teaches these to undergraduates, and uh, was fortunate enough to be able to to find a place to, to put these two interests together and, and, and make a book out of it.
0: And that's just one of the uh, combinations that you put together. In fact, that's pretty uh, st- st- funny in a way, that it's the uh, middle conflict that you have kind of thing, Batman versus Spider-Man, which is titled uh, the third chapter, Responsibility and the City. Now, I'm looking at, again, the front cover, about 10 comic book heroes, they're they're paired up, and um, we can go through without giving away too much, but you've paired up the best of the beastly, starting that is with the Hulk versus Wolverine. Then we go to uh, Beacons of Imagination, the aforementioned Green Lantern versus Iron Man. Again, Batman versus Superman. The fourth part is Ideals in Action, Captain America versus Mr. Fantastic. And finally, Gods in a Long Box, Thor versus Superman. Now, some of these are ones that maybe listeners would not have thought about pairing up with each other. And throughout the course of comics and their histories and maybe the uh, the oversized Marvel Treasury editions kind of thing, you got sort of the two sides combining, whether it was Superman and Spider-Man, Hulk and Batman, those kind of things, uh, Fantastic Four with Superman. But at some point, I guess you thought, and there's probably others... That, you, that you've come up with that uh, would possibly also go head-to-head. But maybe these are the ones that came to the forefront of um, your mind to try and pit against, and what would uh, the reader think, and maybe just in general think about them together?
1: Right. Um, when I was trying to put together the table of contents and figure out which heroes I was going to pit against each other, I was trying to keep in mind that I wanted to have a, a bit of a broader audience than those of us that have you know, 10 or 20,000 books in our collection, uh, because you know every Wednesday after you know after work or after school we get to our uh, LCS and can argue uh, who we like better in all kinds of obscurities, whether we're talking characters or creators. Uh, but I wanted to write something that was familiar to people who might only know characters from the movies. I think we comic book fans. If we think back, we can remember how, you know, just 10 to 20 years ago, uh, we felt like we still spoke a sort of secret language that most of the people out there didn't know who we were talking about, what we were referring to, and now all of a sudden, even the cool kids in class know who all these characters are. Uh, So that's been a big change, but I still wanted to make sure that the ones I was dealing with were not too obscure from uh, the average moviegoer's point of view, Uh, and so... Uh, you can kind of uh, figure out when I set my table of contents on the basis of which ones are in, in the book. Uh, and and right, I sort of thought about it. Um, I, I sort of applied my philosophical lens to the characters inside how to do the pairings. And so I didn't just go with, you know, the classic Superman versus Cap America, who's the moral heart of their respective universes kind of thing. And so I paired up Superman against Thor, which is not unfamiliar. I mean, they they faced off a bit in the JLA Avengers crossover. Um, And I paired Captain America uh, with with Mr. Fantastic, which I I don't think we see that pairing very often. Uh, And so I thought that was something I was excited to try to put to the test. Hulk Wolverine, I mean, that goes back to Wolverine's first appearance. So we've seen that before. Um, But really it was sort of trying to use, as I said, the book's called Superhero Ethics, and so I had a sort of classical ethical uh, perspective or lens I was applying in order to decide, you know, which of these characters kind of have something essentially similar to each other, something in common about what kind of being they are or what kind of ethical or political situation do they most confront um, and yet, what's the essential difference between them that gives us a reason to contrast them and see whether or not we ought to like one of them more than the other in sort of 21st century society uh, with the kinds of values that we uh, would uh, prefer to see exhibited in the world or raise our children to, that kind of thing. Those are the basis on which I sort of try sort to of pit them against each other.
0: And probably you had the whole layout, whether it was in your mind or on paper or both, all right, who's Marvel got in their lineup? Who's DC got in their bullpen? Whatever? And Ken, I don't know if, if the first thought in trying to pair up was thinking, all right, one from this side, one from that side, trying to make, make it even. But as it turned out, at least in this book, you couldn't do it that way. And I, I get that. I don't know if that's along the right train of thought. Choo-choo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, well, right. I mean, I had to make some decisions. and And, I, and, and making sure I knew that I had uh, a sort of perspective on the moral core of each character that gave me a reason to make them worth, uh, you know, inquiring into in order to compare them. That was a criteria. I mean, this is, I was writing at a time just when uh, the Netflix TV shows and the DC television shows were starting to uh, become more and more popular. So, I gave him some thought to whether or not I should do the Flash or Green Arrow or Supergirl. I remember how much I really enjoyed the first season of Supergirl. Um, and but even my, my son at the time was like doing a Cat grant impersonation because he thought she was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm a huge Jessica Jones fan. And the, so the Marvel television shows gave more opportunities um, I could have done for half and half. Uh, I, I did what I, in, in classical philosophy, you'd say, so you follow the argument. And so I didn't artificially impose a quota system on the structure in order to make it fit um, uh, some sort of fifty fifty ratio. I, I, I tried to sort of um approach it philosophically and think about the argument the argument had to take the lead and not uh and not sort of those more politic concerns to make sure I equally satisfied D C fans and Marvel fans, um being the kind of person who's puzzled as to why there should be they should exclude each other. Uh why can't you watch, you know, AEW and WWE? So uh that was kind of my criteria there.
0: Was this, would you say, Travis, your first undertaking in terms of putting it together into a book form? And uh, how long from, I don't know, inception to here we are holding it did it take?
1: It took longer than I wanted and definitely longer than the press wanted. Part of the problem (laughs) was that um, uh, I hadn't tried really writing an awful lot for a more popular audience. I had a sort of, you know, I've written a dissertation in 17th century British philosophy a few years before as my my longest work previously. And, and so you you get used to writing as a scholar for scholars and, you know, read enough comic books and enough, you know, fanzines and enough, you know, magazines and so on to have have a feel for the, the different kind of uh, style you want to employ uh, when, when when writing for a different audience, but it's a whole other thing to learn it, right? Um, and so uh, getting out of old habits and, and acquiring new ones it took several revisions, which I'm very grateful for several editors for helping me along the way make that happen. But I think it turned out in the end all right. I think in the end it's uh, readable to people who read their comic books or uh, you know, have taken a you know freshman class in philosophy, which was I wanted to make sure it was accessible to anyone who fit either or both of those categories.
0: Because I was thinking too, I didn't have enough time to to look and perhaps bring along with with myself. There's been other books, maybe not exactly of this, and that would be good if it's not been explored before. But there have been a book, for example, on the superhero women and exploring what their powers are and their origin stories. Uh, there's been a book on uh, superhero physics, whether or not what this character can do, physically prowess, what is actually possible. This is a different take again, on on ethics.
1: Yeah, commerce scholarship is a huge booming industry in terms of my business of uh, university professors. and um, you got all you got all kinds come from every possible angle, quantitative, qualitative, everywhere across the political spectrum, everywhere across, uh, you know, what kind of political issue or moral concern do they have guiding them to people who just, you know, know, closely study the art form itself, right? The way in which the visual medium uh, engages in communication and so forth. And uh, and all across that, if you go on, if you go on your Amazon or whatever and start looking for comic scholarship books, like the ones you identify, it's a, It's a long list. You know, I I barely sort of uh, was able to get into a fraction of it when I sort of started adding them by the dozen to my wish list to make sure that the book I was doing was different from what I had seen out there. Um, But right, I mean, someone who sort of, you know, the part of the inspiration for the book is that uh, I'm often, you know, find myself in a classroom with 19 to 23-year-olds and trying to, Communicate to them why the old books that are on the syllabus are worth reading and thinking about. And uh, I have a tendency to make a lot of pop culture references in class in order to try to render the material interesting and familiar and keep my students' eyes open. And uh, I'm really grateful for the fact that, in this instance, the Blade movies or the X Men movies came out, suddenly actually people know what I'm talking about if I make a reference to Tony Stark in class.
0: And you do and, find uh, they do know, they do relate. They,
1: yeah, it makes, it makes it so it's more accessible. So I was able to sort of tap into that when I was composing the book.
2: Isn't it funny how it's very cyclical in terms of, you know, how, like, the comic book stuff was not really that prevalent, you know, throughout a big part of the 90s, and then maybe early 2000s, mid-2000s, it started coming back again, and then now it's built up enough steam that it's at its biggest height it is now.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's really kind of odd. I mean... Um, you know, my, my my wife has never read a comic book, and she refuses to. Uh, and she certainly won't go any go near any of mine because she knows how how much I freak out if she accidentally bends the spine on one of them. Uh,
0: <laughs> Sounds so familiar on this end. Yeah, same over here. You don't have a wife, Peter. <laughs> so, <laughs> you don't have a wife. We do.
2: Not that you know.
0: <laughs> so
1: you know what I'm talking about. But but she watches all the movies with me. Even even you know my parents who usually just sort of uh, never quite got my hobby and, and, and but I'm very grateful to them they they kept my collection in their basement while I went off to college for years so you know they didn't sell it off you know my you know wasn't like everybody else's whose parents or grandparents got rid of their baseball cards or their comic books only to find out that they might have been worth something someday
0: well hopefully not um, just in the basement yeah. but off the floor and protected oh, <laughs> <laughs> I cuz I'm the same oh, yeah. way <laughs> And one of you know one of the things that I realized about
2: this with that whole you know it all being cyclical. 1940s comic books were huge. You have Superman, you have Batman, and then the uh, McCarthy era comes along and comics fall out of favor. 1960, excelsior, true believers! It's the Marvel Age of comics, and then they die out again for the 1970s ish. Slowly die out in the 80s. Oh my goodness gracious! Ninja Turtles are back! Oh, or here. And then, you know, it's the comic boom. And then, oh, no, no, stock market fall down, go boom.
0: The 90s, yeah.
2: Blade, X-Men, Blade, X-Men. It's like, it's that. And it's kind of crazy. And I don't know why I was doing it with my hands for the audio podcast, but...
1: It, It really is extraordinary that they've maintained their momentum from the first Iron Man movie through to the fourth Avengers movie so well. Who knows what COVID's going to do to all of this, right? I know that movie theaters are starting to cautiously reopen in some places, but with much, you know, fewer seats available. And the debate over whether or not movies should just go straight to streaming or straight to Disney Plus or something like that is out there. And this is sort of your external factor that could come in and throw a wrench in the entire thing and slow the momentum and throw off everything. And people could lose their interest like they do in anything else. Again, and all of a sudden people will be like, you watching the next superhero movie that's so, you know, it's so 2019, um, but, uh, but 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 uh, we fans who are glad to have sort of uh, the rest of society not look so askance at us as we might have endured in the 70s and 80s or have to, have to hope that uh, this is here to stay, I think.
2: And, you know, as of this recording on August 25th, 2020, New Mutants is coming out this week. There's no theaters near us that are going to be showing it for the, for the uh, time being, mm-hmm. although rumor and innuendo, Eddie, you get to hear this for the first time. There might be a drive-in theater very near us getting to show it.
0: No way.
2: Yeah, just letting you know, so we might have to go see it. I'm going well, to that, go with you.
0: That would be a first. Well, one of the things... How,
1: how close are you guys to uh, where the x Men should be in Westchester County?
0: Oh, uh, Where it would be, let's see, uh, within two hours. Okay. Yeah. But so yeah. A,
1: a short road trip, if you had to, yeah.
0: Which I honestly never even thought to say, where would it be in Westchester? What town is it in, actually? And I don't remember if they did, and maybe you, one of you two... Can tell me what town in Westchester, what city, if that they get attributed to, or they just always said Westchester.
1: I think there was, but I don't remember it. Okay, we're all out of luck But, but I know here. what you're saying. I mean, the first time I went to New York City when I was around, I think 22. Right, I couldn't help but look at Manhattan through the eyes of a Marvel superheroes role-playing game map. Mm-hmm. Mm. That I had had when I was thirteen, right? And try to figure out where where is you know where is the Baxter Building supposed to be, and where is Doctor Strange Sanctum, and that kind of thing. So I get it, yeah.
0: Seventy-seven Bleecker Street, right? Factor. Wasn't it seventy-seven Bleecker Street? One, right. I think is that the
1: exact address. I, I, I think Bleecker Street. I forgot the number.
0: I don't know why I had that number, but that's besides the point. Okay,
1: I, I will defer to you on the exact. Number. <laughs> okay, fine.
0: So again just to keep it in our listeners minds the conflicts that you present here in these five chapters are Hulk versus Wolverine that's easy to remember Green Lantern versus Iron Man Batman versus Super, excuse, Batman versus Spider-Man I know Captain America versus Mr. Fantastic that one does really stand out the most in my mind and Thor versus Superman And and finally we get to the uh, the end the conclusion that you pose some of your thoughts but ultimately, I think, leave it up to, to the reader with and your beaver. Contest, contestation of champions.
1: Right. Um, you know, the, the question of who's most praiseworthy, who would we want to imitate most, who should we try to be like if we want our society to do well, is, of course, the kind of question that, you know, would change as society changes. And I couldn't sort of pause it and answer for all time and all places. Uh, but I was, you know, when I was when I was writing it, I tried to give some thought, looking out my window, listening to the radio, watching the news, and thinking about what could society use more of uh, rather than less of today, and what did the sort of metaphors I had attributed the, the characters of superheroes to represent to sort of um, make uh, that decision at the time. But at the same time, right? I didn't I didn't just say one for all time. I sort of said if this then that, but if this then that. Mm-hmm. And so you know, if things change, we might we might prefer Thor or Captain America today. But if things got bad, we might be better off with uh, with a Wolverine or something,
0: right? So yeah, there be would be variables. Given this scenario, this would be the outcome that you would want, or along those lines, right? And I got to give you credit also to Travis that throughout the chapters, making references and quotes, and parenthetically, whether it be from one of the particular movies from whatever year, who said what. Uh, or a situation that occurred in this particular issue of whatever comic book, so uh, kudos for that.
1: Well, I, I appreciate that. It was one of the things where, as I said, I sort of used who do people generally know from the movies as a criteria for deciding who to dedicate chapters to, but lots of other characters get mentioned along the way, so I make sure that, you know, Invisible Woman gets mentioned as a shout-out in the Fantastic Four, the Mr. Fantastic uh, uh, section. Um, And I also wanted to make sure that I had my geek cred well-earned so that if somebody thought I was just going to refer to the motion pictures, uh, I could dig up some obscurities from Silver Age Superman comics or from the 1960s Batman TV show or something to sort of wink in the direction of those of us who have dedicated too many thousands of hours to this material and, and, uh, and keep them right there along with me.
2: In regards to, like, a series or, you know, an individual issue, what do you consider to be the most, quote-unquote, academic kind of comic that you've ever read that, you know, you could probably be able to take it and have a college, you know, an entire semester devoted to just analyzing that one work?
1: What's, what's Jonathan Hickman's book about <laughs> time travel where the Roman Catholic Church goes back in time?
2: Is that the one with the charts? It was
1: full of <laughs> drafts, although it was very Hickman-esque, you know. My man. <laughs> and lines. That, oh my gosh, why can't I think of the title of it? I haven't read it in a few years is why.
2: Not Manhattan Project, right? You're,
1: you're, you're, you, no, but Manhattan Project is fantastic. No, um, I'm going to feel the need to go to my shelves and find
2: it. But, um, <laughs> but it was an image book, Taks right? Pax Romana,
1: Pax Romana, Pax Romana, that's the one. Um, that's probably, to me, especially as someone who has, you know, a political philosophy is the thing I teach, is the one that I recommend to other people similarly uh, employed to check out. Um, but yeah, Manhattan Projects is, you know, that's the, one I, that's the one I recommended to my nephew, was if he's going to read Hickman first, read Manhattan Projects.
0: Again, going back to the references right there in the paragraphs, as you're talking about a character or a scene, and it's great to just have them right there as you're reading because it's easier on the eyes. You know. Because you, otherwise you've got to put the little asterisk, you've got to look down at the bottom, and half the font size with little footnotes or even in the back to flip back to, it's a lot easier to deal with.
1: Yeah, parenthetical citations are, are always preferred, yeah, I agree.
0: And arduous, yeah. I uh,
1: mean, f- footnotes are good for jokes. And that was one of the things that my editors made me remove. I had, I had, you know, comic book nerdy, jokey footnotes, um, kind of uh, bad puns and obscure references that uh, you you'd both probably would have appreciated. But, yeah, uh, no, that, that probably took
0: 20 or so pages off the total number here, right? <laughs> if you had your will or yeah. whatever, yeah, your druthers, if you... But uh, <laughs> oh, I just love the Druthers brothers. In other, in the, in the beginning, meaning the, within the first <laughs> couple of pages, you have the the title, of course, and there's uh, the publisher, Templeton Press, and there is a shadow of a of a cape superhero, hand extended, open open hand. The other one is a fist. Kind of reminds me of of a Kirby character. I couldn't tell you what, but has the cape, and I didn't know if in coming up with an image to put there, if that was just a generic or based off of somebody. If you can or can't reveal that.
1: The, the 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 cover on it was not my design. The the, the press had to uh, solicit those from from the artists that, that do this professionally, and you're stuck with you know uh, you know making sure that you abide uh, fair use rules and copyright. And uh, it, it wasn't the kind of thing where I could uh, could emblazon uh, the cover with with. Uh, uh, Obvious images of, of of who everybody was, but I, I guess I guess shadows uh, past uh, legal department.
0: Yeah, and I, I just realized now that with uh, with the actual cover, the jacket of the book, this uh, this same character seems to be just reversed. The opposite hand is open; the other one is making the fist, right, kind of in the middle. But there are and there are ten little shadowed figures throughout the large letters "Superhero," and uh, that's kind of neat. You could say, "Oh, I guess this one looks like Iron Man" if that's one of the ten that's in here. So you know.
1: Yeah, i I I know exactly where the one that kind of kinda of maybe sorta of looks like Iron Man might be, yeah.
0: Mhm. So again, uh, a very long time. Did we get an approximate uh, time frame on how long it took to put this all together and
1: Oh a few years. It took me a few years. I mean, it wasn't the only thing I was working on, um, but it was the main thing I was working on for most of that time. And um yeah, part of it, as I said, was you know the, the 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 draft that was submitted to the press was still you know twice as long as it should have been. Part of the problem was the riches and abundance of material to draw upon, and uh, one of the fun things about doing research for the book was digging deep in characters that I had not, they were favored from my teen years forward so much, and had to sort of uh, read a lot more or watch the cartoons re rewatch the movies I hadn't seen in a long time, taking tons of notes. I mean, it, you know, actually re Superman 3 and 4 to take, you know, conscientiously. <laughs> I'm so down, sorry to hear that. You know, no, an, sorry, yeah, sorry to oh. hear that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dude, it was, it, was, it was my job, though. It was dutiful. It was a uh, yes. uh, you know, sacrifice, uh, gladly made. Um, but, uh yeah, my son and I we watched through the entire run of Batman the Animated Series together, and the Wolverine and the X Men cartoons.
2: I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I am so glad to hear that.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I, I wanted to, and so this this led to this led to having uh, an abundance of riches of material to draw.
0: What do you where does this take you now, Travis, in terms of well, you know what? I had this idea, it came to fruition. Uh, I birthed this, if you will. It's it's here, tangible, it's up on the shelf now. I'm I, I got this I got this out and hopefully other people connect with it and relate to it. Um do you do you feel like there's more that you want to eventually tell or or maybe even go back to say, Well, what would you do different or what you you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, it's similar to my kind yeah, of question was,
2: too. There we go. It's similar to my question, too, as well as, you know, what were like some, you know, uh, matchups that you wanted to do with this. But, you know, ultimately they made the cutting room floor.
1: Right. Yeah. uh, COVID canceled my next talk on on the subject. I was going to give a a talk at an academic conference that I then would have uh, wanted to publish on um, uh, comparing super heroines and asking the question whether or not. Uh, gender uh, made a difference as to whether or not somebody was more or less heroic, uh, more or less of a role model, or whether or not it was a neutral uh, factor when it came to that question. So that's, that's, that's been a that's been site, burner um, One thing that I've been really thinking a lot lately about is uh, the, the villain's motivations, right? The old adage about how every villain thinks of the hero in their own story. And so there are lots of different reasons different characters uh, take the, take, take the, the villainous, I guess portrayed as the villainous uh, approach to life, but they think that you know, they're in the right. They think that they're just. They think that they are smart. They think that they are the ones who should be in charge and that the world would be better off or the cosmos would be corrected if only they had the authority that they know that they deserve, whether it's on a small scale in governing, you know, a city or uh, you know, a small despotic, you know, Eastern European nation, or whether or not it would mean the whole world or the whole universe. And so that's been on my mind a lot. I haven't, I haven't uh, crafted the table of contents uh, on that yet, but uh, you know, the, 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 if, if the question of which hero is best, then the question of which 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 villain is worst. Uh, but I mean, it's also part of the villainy that you know, great villains still retain some sort of appeal to us. I mean, what makes a great villain is often not that we just despise them because they're horrific, uh, but because there's something about their sense of self, their motivation, their justification that resonates that you can kind of get why even though they get cast as the villain, you can imagine what that person believes and they deserve what they're after. And maybe even understand why other people might clamor for somebody because, you know, everybody, everybody's hero in the real world is, is somebody else's villain. And so trying to understand not only why one person likes one superhero more than another person, I think is an interesting ethical question, but, the question of why somebody you think is a villain is somebody else's hero is another fascinating question. And one of the things when you see Dr. Doom is that the Lazarians seem to love him. And Is that just because they're afraid, uh, or is it because they actually adore him and they actually think he is the rightful ruler of Lavaria And that's, I think that's a fascinating line of questioning.
0: It's a secret admirer club kind of thing, right? <laughs> um, I think though those are two great tracks to pursue, you know whether like you said with the first one being on the back burner, don't don't leave it there indefinitely. I would hope because for for two things that maybe nobody's done the superheroines to compare and contrast, and also I run think out of you'd get oil
2: a, from you know the back burner being on.
0: Yes, you'd get a lot of um, I think positive, maybe just as emotional response, uh, heated if you will, depending on the situation and and so on. And, and, of course, with, with the villain stuff, I don't know if there's been any even kind of, uh, I don't want to say backlash, but uh, reaction like, hey, this book, Superhero Ethics, is all about males. Why are there no females in here?
1: Well, that's, that, that's a legitimate question and complaint. Um, why is it the case that sort of apart from Wonder Woman, uh, most of the major figures that the, the comic book companies created that were then sort of most popular uh, in, in, let's say in the 50s and 60s, in the Silver Age, in the cartoon era of the 70s, uh, through uh, the, you know, the, even the characters that have got feature films first for the longest time, or uh, sort of these legacy characters that happen to be now. Is this just, just a fact of marketing that yep. they, they, they were targeting what they thought that their, their, uh, their largest audience was going to spend their money on? At the uh, at the corner store, the local pharmacy, or is there more to it than that? I personally, it's one of the one of the things when I was writing the book, I was not picking the characters that were my favorite. I was writing the book that was about my favorite characters. A, they would be as I said before, a lot more obscure characters, I and mean, there would be uh, a lot of uh, female characters. Uh, would have wanted, to, I would have preferred to talk about Supergirl, with Superman. I think she's more fascinating, but the show had just started when I wrote the book, so I went with Superman because he's more well known. Um, I actually like Power Girl better than Supergirl. Um, I could have written on Captain Marvel, uh, the Carol Danvers one, who's a favorite of mine uh, for a long for the last fifteen years. Are usually my very favorite superhero. As I mentioned, Jessica Jones, Squirrel Girl. There's plenty of characters that uh, I, I have lots, lots more, lots more raw material to think about in the future.
0: I think, though, actually, I do remember in parts of of your book that you do reference and distinguish the, the Captain Marvels. So she is mentioned, Carol Danvers as well as Supergirl, with the the crisis, the death of, in that particular issue. So there are some female references in here as well.
1: Right. Do not turn your head and battle, girl. Yes.
0: Yep. Well, I think that this is really good stuff to read if you want to get into the nitty-gritty of, or think about it from a different angle on superhero ethics, why they do what they do, what we have been seeing that they are portrayed as, and uh, perhaps give you a whole different... uh, opinion on some of these superheroes. So Travis Smith, author again of Superhero Ethics, we appreciate you coming to talk to us and giving us some good stuff to read as we uh, continue to expand our comic knowledge, and it's not just for kids anymore for sure. (laughs)
1: Thanks a lot for having me on The Marvelists.
0: For The Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Travis Smith. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior! Time for another edition of obsessed with marvel with our guest travis smith thanks for sticking around we appreciate it again thank you the question is 1763 and it reads who is ulysses solomon archer the answers mrs archer's son member of the pantheon the golden archer trucker hero of us1 or a member of the Hulkbusters? And I'll read it again. Who is Ulysses Solomon Archer? A member of I the Pantheon, you. the Golden Archer, Trucker Hero of US-1, or a member of the Hulkbusters? And we'll let you guess at that one first, Travis. Yeah, I
1: don't get to, call, I don't get to phone a friend, right? Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's either US-1 or Hulkbusters. Um, I I'll, I'll I'm I'm going to go with US one even though I don't think I'm probably
2: wrong. Okay, Peter, I'm thinking the last one D.
0: You're thinking Hulkbusters. Yeah. I have a I have a poop eating grin on my face because I do realize who this is and I read the twelve issues and it's going to be. Ooh I'm la di da, we read books. Sh- this is one that I read and remember. That's even a good thing when it came out. Uh, the trucker hero of US one letter C. Here we go. That is correct. Oh, I'm so loving that.
2: Why does it, I don't know why it just confuses me that there's so many comics out there and, and you're read reading the, one about a
0: trucker. I. It was the first issue. I'm like, oh, okay, let me get this. And hey then Eddie, see where it goes. Read, did you read Infinity Gauntlet? It was no, a, but I read a trucker book. <laughs> well, you know,
2: things happen, life gets in the way, yada, yada, yada. Hey, Eddie, there's a great X Men uh? book going out right now. Oh, sorry. I'm reading a book about another truck driver. I just can't get enough of them. <laughs> It's a convoy. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember the singer's name, but go for it. We got a big old convoy across Tra- the U.S. Travis, you
0: see what I have to work with. or hear?
1: It It's why I was excited to be on the show.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, that's right. You listened to previous. Okay, four sixty four. When did Professor Miles Warren first appear? Hold, hold it till I give the. I think I know like, this one. Stick in his hand. I'm like, oh, pick me, pick me. When did Professor Miles Warren first appear? Amazing Fantasy number no. 15 from 1962? The Amazing Spider-Man number no. 149 from 1975? Amazing Spider-Man 129 from 74 or Amazing Spider-Man 31 from 1965? It's got to be 31 cuz he was around during the Gwen Stacy age. Professor Miles Warren. He's so you're cloned her. So you're saying 149? 129? No, the last choice. 30, 31. The la- yes, that one dingaling. <laughs> that one. Well, we pretty much ruled out Amazing Fantasy. I'm sorry. I'm sure you did that too, Travis.
1: Right. No. And and I just don't, yeah. I'm trying to so clearly relevant to 120, 121. It's been a year since I've read
0: yep. stories around
1: those. Um, well, 129, 129 is a milestone
0: you. issue, isn't it? Also, that's Punisher. That's Punisher. Okay.
1: Well, then it's 31. That was where I was leaning as well, but I, I mean had to make sure that it was he wasn't introduced as Miles Warren afterwards.
0: Now you call Eddie a ding Uh-huh. Well, I don't know that we would have introduced Warren and Punisher in the same issue, right? Because we would have remembered that. That seems unlikely. Warren, so
1: peace. I'm, 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 with, I'm with 31
0: as well. 31, letter D. Let's go for it. That is correct. We are two for two. Oh, I'll put in Jinx it just now. We probably did. Uh, jinx A, get out of the room. That's somebody's cat. Oh, would you believe this? The question is number 2222. Two, two, two. Who are you? Doot, 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 doot. Do. I really want to know. Okay, it's a song now, isn't it? Yeah, it sure so. is. It's not a good one, but it's a song. I mean, oh, originally Eddie, it's a great Eddie, song, Eddie. but here we go. I'm almost there. 2222. Two, two, two. Here we are. And the question is... That's, that's what ballerinas wear. <sighs> Wind ballerina. <laughs> And crinoline. And yeah, okay. The question reads, what are the Stark? Okay. The answers are... They're long. (laughs) 31st century descendants of Tony Stark in Guardians of the Galaxy. Employees of Stark Industries in AD 2020 in Machine Man 2020. A future warrior society using Tony Stark's technology in Guardians of the Galaxy. Or robots based on Tony Stark's designs in AD 2020 in Machine Man 2020. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, it's either Guardians or Machine Man 2020. (laughs) But there's two of each. I think it's the Guardians one. Possibility. 31st century descendants of Tony Stark in Guardians. Employees of Stark Industries, Machine Man 2020. Future Warrior Society using Tony Stark's technology in Guardians. Or robots based on Tony Stark's designs in Machine Man 2020. What are the Stark... Well, you heard me. I said but guardians. Just, you said guard, but which guardians? Thirty 30- descendants? or oh, right. well then, or just, the- just, just so
1: that we're not in agreement, I'll go with uh, D. I'll try as the robots in twenty twenty. Robots in twenty
0: twenty. I'm going with A. You're going with thirty first century descendants of Tony Stark in Guardians. Now, what run would that have been? By the way, of Guardians 90s. in the nineties. Mm-hmm. You read the nineties yeah, run? It would
1: have been, it, no, yeah, but I This isn't I- Guardians from the nineties, yeah.
0: Oh, okay, that's what I thought, but I haven't read the run, so I'd be lost on that one. Okay, uh, so we're between A and D, I suppose? Stuck between a rock and a hard
2: place. That's a Rolling Stones song, I think. And you'll be stuck between plenty of rocks if you listen to Fantastic
0: Voyage, (laughs) featuring our discussion (laughs) about the Fantastic Four, 102 issues. Descendants of Tony Stark or Robot? You know what? I'm going to go with with Travis because he's the guest. And letter D? No. The answer? I'm going to go
2: with The Marvelist on Patreon.
0: Is letter C Future Warrior Society? Using Tony Stark's technology, but Guardian. So Peter was maybe halfway there. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's our third question. Let's do one more, and we'll be wrapping it up. I'll take it. That's the Fabulous Thunderbirds. A lot of music references here, Travis. Just so you know. Nineteen 19- yep. and what a war it was. Nineteen twelve is the question. Who is Steel Serpent? Sounds familiar, but we'll see. Son of Lei Kung, son of U T. Member of the Sons of the Tiger, or Shang-Chi's former friend, Midnight? I think Midnight was a female character. Who is Steel Serpent? I think that's a male character. I think that's an 80s hairband. <sighs> no. Son of Lei Kung, son of Yu Ti, member of the Sons of the Tiger, or Shang-Chi's former friend, Midnight? I'll go there. Son of Lei Kung, and that's spelled L-E-I space K-U-N-G, and U-T is... How else well. would you spell it? I don't know. I wasn't sure I was pronouncing it right. I'm going with that one, yeah. Uh,
1: it's either A or B. I've read my old Iron Fist, but it's been a while. See, I so thought... I'm,
0: and I wasn't sure if Steel Serpent was the villain in an issue of Marvel Team-Up. He's, he's, he's the one with the same
1: tattoo, but no wings on it.
0: Okay. But then it, now I'm thinking what's what was Sons of the Tiger was that um, in that uh, you know Kung Fu era type thing too or is this a different like yeah. a street gang or something?
1: The Sons of the Tiger had them had like the medallions of a tiger and its two paws. Okay, and there are three brothers. So and that might rule it out combine then. Combined and then one person to have all the power.
0: All right, so I think we're going to go with a Lake Lei Kung. Yes, Son of Lei Kung, letter A, and it is correct. I'm glad I went with the flow. Three out of of four. Four. That's pretty good. Thank you again. All right, we're out.